Tell the people what you're here for. This is the Russ and Kayla Nice experience. This is your girl, Kayla Nice, and we are still on a break. I am about to go on vacation, visit my daughter in Virginia. We talked about her um, and me not being able to see her during this pandemic. And Russ is actually working on and writing a book. So congratulations to him. But we did not want to leave you hanging because right now we are going through a lot. We are going through the pandemic and social unrest. And while we are out here, Russ and myself, trying to disseminate information, participate in Black Lives Matter, and make sure that you know we are doing our part as well, we didn't want to leave you hanging. So since we just finished Mental Health Month, I was able to interview someone that is living in Peru during all of this, during the pandemic, during social unrest, and she is really focusing on her mental health, on her mental space, on how she can progress and how she can grow her life. And we all need that right now. So we wanted to leave you with this interview so that you can gain some tips, so that you can have some information and apply some things that she's learned during her journey in Peru to your life and to what you are experiencing right now. Listen to this interview, gain all that she has to offer. And we are working right now on some other projects. We are going to make sure that this show is bigger and better. We are also going to make sure that we are bringing you the best product possible. So listen to the interview and I'll talk to you afterwards. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest. In 1989, she joined the U.S. Army, where she traveled and, and served her country for 21 years, while also raising three beautiful children. But since then, she's been able to reach out and mentor hundreds of women of all ages, equipping them and enabling them to live authentic, purpose-filled lives. She is the author of Breath, and also the co-author of Awaken to Wellness, which is an anthology of writings by health and wellness leaders. She has birthed her own business, well, two of them actually, Authentic Self Enterprises, LLC in 2011, and also Breathe Holistic Health and Wellness Spa in 2013. And she just builds her life on three principles, faith in God, trust in her own intuition, and service to others. So please welcome Karundi Daniels. Yay, Karundi. <laughs> welcome you, to the guys. show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am well. I'm doing well in this moment and in this time. I'm doing well. Thank you again for having me. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to um, take our audience through your journey. But first, okay. what I want to know is you are right now living in um, Peru, in the Amazon jungles in Peru. Can you just tell yes. us how, how you got there? Let, her, let our audience know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the short we we'll go to the short side of how I got here. Um, um, the short side of it, I was uh, doing traveling. I was doing some traveling around the world, and I was um, interested in doing a ayahuasca 
ceremony here in the Peru, um, Peruvian area. Um, and ayahuasca is a, a holistic plant medicine. So I decided to come to a retreat here um, and it was a nine day retreat. So I was currently at that time living in Medellin, Colombia. And I flew over um, to Peru to do this retreat, nine days. Um, the seventh day in the retreat after my fourth ceremony, actually with Mother Ayahuasca, um, we got news that Peru borders um, was uh, closing down for COVID-19. And uh, so all flights and everything was stopped and canceled. And I could not fly back to Colombia because they shut down their borders for non-Colombians. So since I was an American, I couldn't go back in. So half my belongings are still there. Um, so now uh, it is now a little over two months later. I am still here in the jungle at this retreat, but it has been such a blessing. You know, it's been exactly, uh, you can't plan this stuff, but it has been exactly what I've been hoping for. It's part, part of my um, spiritual journey. Wow. That is so wonderful. I mean, I looked it up a little bit on your Instagram page and the ayahuasca retreat, you talked about stripping down to the bare minimum. So go into that a little bit for the audience and tell them exactly what was that retreat? Like, what are you on now? Um, that particular, uh, for ayahuasca, yes, it is. It's, it's actually a soul death. And when you say so that people get, ooh, oh my gosh, because you really uh, die out to your ego. You really, uh, she goes straight to the, to the core things, you know. People do a lot of different types of uh, medicinal medicines, um, um, mushrooms and San Pedro, different things that do all around the world. But Mother Ayahuasca is the mother plant. She's the bad mom, the bad mama jamma. Remember that? <laughs> She's the bad mama jamma. And um, it's a liquid that we take and, um, and it kind of takes you through your life. You know, you go in with, of course, with intentions. Um, and, but she really carves out things that you may need to work on in your life. Um, um, some people get visuals. It's, it's very different for different people. Um, but for me, it was really about, uh, she really was showing me things, my purpose here in this world. I came here for some healing but she was showing me my purpose. And um, it was kind of scary because it was some powerful stuff. And it's like, how can one, one person take on all of that? But also she's been really opening up my heart, you know, opening it up for love and forgiveness and um, just letting go things that no longer serve me here. Um, uh, so yeah, that's, I guess, the kind of short version of what that is. Yeah, and just um, for our audience, you don't have to keep it short. We definitely want to okay. hear your story. Okay, so, okay, okay. Yeah, if you want, like, you can elaborate, that's okay. So let's okay. do this. Let's take a step back. Um, okay. What started you on the journey? You mentioned you wanted to travel the world. Hmm. What was the genesis of that? You know what, Millie? I think I've always wanted to travel. Even back when I was when I was young in New York, um, growing up, that was one of the reasons why I joined the military. You know, uh, it was about really seeing the world. Something in me knew that I did not want to just continue to stay in one space. Um, you know, I can't, actually came to New York. I was born in New York, um, but I lived in North Carolina from 
five to 10, and then came back to New York at 10 and graduated. A lot of people don't know that. And um, so just needing to just move around, something within me, my mother said my name was Karundi, the run. I was always moving, always running, always doing something. But one day in school, Lafayette, um, you know, when the recruiters come in and you had to take that test, I was just taking it just to kind of skip class that day just to do something different. And I took the particular test and did well on it and still wasn't thinking about the military at that time. But um, later on, the recruiter kept nagging me and my mom. And um, and I thought about it. I said, you know what, this could be an outlet for me to actually leave and travel the world. So um, even in that, when I first went into the military, I was a paratrooper. So I jumped out of planes and I did all the crazy stuff, the crazy New Yorker, like girl, like 18, 19 years old, living my life and uh, jumping out of planes and stuff like that. I actually wanted to be, um, uh, they called it the golden Knights, where you know how people used to, they jump out the plane and they make designs. That's a golden night. Yeah. That's what I thought I was, I, that's what I thought I was going to do. But of course, recruiters always lie. So yes, I was jumping out of planes, but I wasn't doing that. You know, I was doing more combat, you know, jumping with rock sacks and, and all that craziness. So, um, so that's how the, the, the journey started as far as just um, the travel journey started there. Um, but the spiritual um, journey kind of tagged on as I lived a little bit more. But the, the traveling itch started there in, in the military. That's wonderful. So I love to travel too. And um, while you were traveling in the military, we want to say one, thank you. And thank, thank all you. of the veterans in the audience for their service. But what kind of ranks and positions you said that you were led in thinking that you were going to make designs. And so what did you wind up actually doing your rank in different positions over the years? Okay. Um, well, when I first went in, I became a parachute rigger. So all my military army veterans would know about that. A parachute rigger was a person that actually fixed chutes, tested the parachutes, fixed the chutes, and all those types of things. So I was that person who um, went in and uh, packed the chutes. If there was anything that was wrong with them, we sold and fixed the, the, the chutes that drop out, those huge chutes that drop out like the the food and all those types of things. Um, so actually after basic training, before you went to your school, um, you had to go to jump school first. So I went from basic training back to Fort um, Benning to jump school. So that was a three week course where we had to learn to jump out of the planes. And then from there, we went to school to pack and to jump and to test those shoots. And I always tell the story, the one of our tests to pass this particular course we had a pack of personal chutes, so you know we had need to pass it and jump out of that chute that we packed. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we had to pack the chute, make sure it was good, and use that chute to um, jump from. And it was a, uh, I think it was C-30, which is the name of the, of the plane. I think it was C-30. But this was a huge, no, I'm sorry, it was a C-5. And this is a huge plane that they drop cargo out of. So imagine the back end of this plane that's open. So it's as wide as probably this place I'm sitting in, or as far as your room, the mouth of it is wide. 
And this one, these human beings are walking, these small little human beings are walking with a pack of, with a shoe that they just packed on their back and you just could not jump out of it because it was so wide. You had to step off. Oh, wow. Oh, so wow. we walked and they told us the, the drill sergeants, the, the, the um, sergeant airborne, that's what they call them, um, told us not to look down, just look into the horizon and step off this aircraft. When I tell you that was the most fearful, fearful time of my life. And, but the most invigorating time of my life also, because when, as I walked that plank, walking and you're thinking the whole time, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> what well, I'm about to jump off this plane. And I stepped off and it took about 10 seconds. So it's one, it's 1,000, 2,000 counting about 10 seconds before that shoot opened up. And when it opened up, I tell you, that was the most beautiful, um, the most beautiful experience to have the, the freedom of something that you um, was a part of and hitting the ground and such a, you're not hitting the ground very hard. So you, you're taught how to land. And, and when you finally hit the earth again and you're safe and you just think about the things that you've just done, I can that was just that was just amazing. It almost because I really hadn't really felt that, you know. It was amazing. So I did that. That was the first part. Um at this time I didn't have children. So maybe four years in now, um a mother of four years in the military. I'm still doing this. I'm a mother of the first child. Uh, well, I decided I didn't want to jump anymore. I said, you know what? I don't want to um, jump out of parachutes and be all dangerous. I'm a mother now. So, um, <laughs> so they reclassed me. They reclassed me in the military. And that wasn't the greatest thing to reclass um, at that time. But because I was a great soldier, um, they reclassed me. I did not want to go into the field that I, they end up taking me to but god knew what was best um so they ended up making me full service cook at that time it was a cook and i'm like that was like the lower end some people thought and i hated cooking <laughs> at that time and to go from so, jumping out of planes to cooking i'm sure it was a poultry shop to, to cook that was it but the beautiful thing about it, um, I went back to school. I went back to school um, to learn, and it turned out to be the best move in my military career because I think four years into me cooking, um, I went to Africa. I was in Somalia for the UN. Don't know whether you guys remember. They had a movie on it where um, it was a UN peace treaty, and we went in to feed the Somalians, and then it, a lot of soldiers were attacked. Yes, um, I, I was. That. Yeah, I was there during that time, and a lot of friends um, that was from um, upstate New York, Fort Drum was killed um, during that time. And when we returned from there, I decided I was asked. Actually, was uh, someone came into my dining facility and asked, "We have some. We want. We need somebody to volunteer to go work for the general. And if you know anything about army, the general is like the president to us in the United States. The general right. is the pre of that particular place." So they asked to, you know, work for the general and nobody wants to work for the general. They said, oh, I'm not going to clean their toilets and I'm not doing all this other stuff. But little me, I said, you know what, why not? Let me do something different. So I volunteered to work for the general um, and 
And that ended up turning to become my career for the next 10 years. I became the general aide. They sent me to upstate New York to become a uh, bona fide chef. Um, they paid for that. Um, so at this point now, I'm working just for the general at his home, doing all of their major dinner parties. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, work with President Bush and General Colin Powell um, and see so many things in that, in that aspect of military. So with all that being said, I um, retired at 39 um, at a, as far as Sergeant First Class. Um, wow. working for, I think, five different generals at that time. And I retired at 21 years. And, and that, 10 year, that last 10 years was beautiful because it really helped me to raise my children. My hours were different now. I didn't have to wear the military uniform. I was um, working directly in my in civilian clothes because when you're working that close to the general and you're his right hand, one of his right hand people, you need to be incognito, you know. So, um, um, so that I mean, you yeah, uh -huh. you went into army at eighteen, yes. and you retire with full benefits at thirty nine. Thirty nine. I, I I mean I want to kind of pause that because how many people at thirty nine get a chance to retire with full benefits? Right. What is the next phase of your career? Once you retire, you're thirty nine years old, you're still young. I'm still What's young. That next. Yeah, what do you do then? What's the next phase of your career? That so at that time, so now I retire, and I do something crazy. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a rebel. So I decided not to. You know, when you retire, you I had the opportunity to work at the White House because I was a chef and I got some some jobs and I had connections because I worked with different generals. Go ahead. What White House is this? Who's in the White House at this time? Uh. Is this the Obama yeah. White House? Is this the Bush White House? No, no, no. I, I wish. No, it was, it was Bush. It was Bush. It <laughs> was the second Bush. Bush. This is the second. This is the second uh, Bush White House during that time. Um, and that's during the time that I said that, you know, I had met him. He had came to uh, Fort, um, came to Fort Benning. Uh, General Porto Powell came to Fort Benning at that time. Um, so I denied all of that and decided not to work at all. I decided not to work at all. I decided to take a whole year off. By this time, 39, I was tired of the politics. I was tired of something in me. I just needed something different. And something within me was calling to say, you know what? I have to go in a different direction. It's something I just need to do that's different. I didn't know what, but I knew it was different than what I was doing. Um, so I decided to take a year off and to listen and to figure out what it is. So. Um, I had a home in um, Missouri where I had been stationed at at one time and I had um, let that go. Um, I denied these jobs. I um, went and moved into a little two-bedroom apartment. At this time, now I have three children, have been married um, to someone in the military, been divorced at this time. Three children, my oldest two children are now in college and my last child is with me. So now people are thinking, girl, you're crazy. You don't <laughs> retire from the military. You're not doing anything. Uh, you're denying these jobs. What are you going to do? And if you know anything about, so a lot of people think because you retire from the military, you're getting this huge big check. And it's not the case. You know, I retired with a quarter of what I was earning. 
and my disability was very small at the time. So, so imagine you're getting a certain amount and then it's cut down to a quarter and you still have this, all the same bills and all the same stuff. But that was like, a, that was one of my first big acts of faith, you know, because that's something within me. And I know now it was my higher being that was um, telling me to do something different. And um, I started selling a, uh, off, uh, holistic products door to door. It was called, it was a company called Soul Purpose. And you may know Warm Spirit, so I don't know. Some people may know Warm Spirit with Nadine Thompson, the black African-American woman who owned this company. And it was called Soul Purpose. And so I started doing that. So people really thought I was crazy. You're retired from the military <laughs> and you're selling some products. What are you doing? But what, let me tell you, that year I traveled um, within the States, just visiting family, catching up with my life. Because in the military, you're doing a lot of traveling. You're not with your family like that. And I was seeing people, just spending time with people and selling this product. But I end up building a team with this particular company and I end up talking to so many women, so many women, so many women um, from young to old about it and just uh, massaging their hands with the scrub. Right. I'm not a massage therapist at this time. The scrub, massaging their hand with the scrub and they're crying and I'm just pouring into them and they're pouring into me. Um, so, Karundi, I want to take it back just a, one second okay. about going from the military and you decided to take a leap of faith. You also decided yes. to let things go. And so you have a spirit about you that is kind of, like you said, uh, rebellious and, and you're ready to go and take action. But what about some of those women that let's just say you talked to while selling holistic products that were a little bit more reserved and they weren't ready to take that leap? What advice would you kind of like give some of them about taking leaps and letting go? Uh, my, my advice about any time you're going to take a leap and let it go. Um, do it at your, um, everyone needs to do it at their capacity. For me, it's jumping off a mountain. For you, it may just be jumping off the sidewalk and it may be okay where you are. Remember where you are. Be very gentle with yourself. Be very mindful of where you are because we can't look at other people and try to emulate because that's not authentic and it's not real. Um, right. Find out where it is that you need. So if for you, it, for someone else, it may be just taking this, the uh, time with yourself. It may just be saying, you know what, maybe I need to go get the second job or maybe I need to leave this particular job. Or maybe it's, um, I don't know, it could be anything. It could be something small and it could be something big. For myself, I've just always, my faith is, is I always have faith to know that, you know, God got me. And that I think I was just built with that. Um, and I don't know whether everyone is built with it. And, mm -hmm. and I've been growing it throughout my yeah. life. So I jump big. Um, um, but that's big for me. Right. Now, big for someone else can be another big, you know, what's, what's big? Really, when you start thinking about the word big itself, big and your big, it's about perspective at the end of the day. Right. It's about right. a perspective. And um, take, so, and take and, an action. Yeah. 
-hmm. And at the end of the day, having the faith that knowing that if God spoke, if God spoke this to you, to have the faith to know he's going to see it through. See, a lot of times we mouth these things out of our mouth, but we don't believe it. We say we have faith in God. We say we want to do these things, but we really don't believe it because when the time comes to act on that faith, we second guess it. And then we say, oh, was it really God saying that? And then we start to get into the, our, our self-talk. And then you next year, you know, you're not doing it. Um, it's just really um, testing God. And we're afraid yeah. to test God. You know, God said, test me. You know, all right, you said it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to believe that you're going to take care of me at this time. And I do understand that there will be lessons um, in the time of this faith. That's what life is about. It's about lessons that we learn um, during this act of faith. So in the times that we are going through these painful steps of um, jumping out on faith, remember the lessons that we're getting is to keep us, to help us to continue to grow because it's those same lessons that we'll be able to eat off of later in life. Before Malia, before you jump in there, Malik, um, with your next question, I have a very interesting perspective on um, fear versus faith. So I believe that we have to actively, like you said, choose faith over fear, you know. And so a lot of times it's really we don't wake up with this big notion of I have faith. And some of us, like you said, aren't born with it. And so we have to actively choose in those intimate moments whether we're going to choose faith or whether we're going to choose fear, and that makes the difference. Go ahead, Malik. Well, I agree with that. Now, here's my question. Um, it sounds like it comes naturally to you. What I want you to do is like explain to the audience, like it takes okay. bravery from a young girl from Brooklyn to say, hey, I'm going to enroll in the Army, right? Once you're in the Army, to jump out of these planes, right? To, so right. it seems like there's something internally that's happening, let the audience know the advice you have for them. Some young woman who's listening to this right now, she's listening to your story. What can you impart into her that will help her along okay. her journey? First of all, I would say, follow your intuition. So let's talk about intuition outside of what we sometimes have here and then what, what we have, we feel in our gut. You know, you just feel something that's different in our gut. We've been taught so much um, that, you know, what we think here is always the best thing. Now, but when you say here, let the audience know what here, you're Meaning, I'm sorry, meaning what we're thinking in our head, in our minds, you know, uh, or what society says, this is what the best place to go or how we need to go, do. But I think we've all, I've, I think we've all, um, any, everyone that's listening to this um, podcast, may have had a, a gut feeling about something or our bodies tell us certain things, a certain way to go, even if it's in a place where it's fearful, where I don't need to walk down this alley, something's going wrong or something just tells you that um, you need to go this path. So for a, a, a young woman, young man who just really wanted to do something different outside of what maybe mom and dad or society is telling them to go, and if you're, it's your gut feeling to, at least, even if you don't step out 100%, at least start to look that way and to um, educate yourself and maybe the interest that you're looking in 
and it, it and, and follow that path some way. I'm not saying um, just totally let go of your life and like say if you had a, a job somewhere, totally let it go. Continue to do what you do, but dabble in it and see where it takes you, um, so that you can at least not just totally forget about it. For our, you know, you, you, we really have to um, grow or feed our intuition. We really have to feed it because my belief only, I'm not saying it's science, but my belief only, that is our spirit telling us what we need to do. And the spirit moves beyond us. Mm-hmm. We're in this, you know, physical body. So we can only see what goes day to day, but spiritually it sees the future. It knows where it needs to go. So our intuition is like our spirit just whispering to us in our ear saying, dear child, go this way. Or our spirit guides telling us to go here, there. Um, so it's just, again, it all boils back down to your faith. It all, you know, have your prayer time, have your communion with God, be still and listen. Um, for people that's in the area that you want to go towards, um, someone who can educate you in those places that you may want to go in your life um, and see if that's exactly where you want to go. And if it's for you, I 100% believe doors will open up for you in ways that you don't even understand because it's not about us making a way. It's about, it's about God making a way. And as you are here on this, on this um, podcast, I'm going to always refer back to God because there's no way in the world I could be sitting here where I am in this place in my life if it wasn't for God. Mm. I Amen. have no, I don't have no control of this, you know. I'm just a Brooklyn girl from Marlboro Projects, like you say. You, you, you get what I mean? It's, no, it's, it's, it's not something that I control. Right. And I hope and, I answered that well. Oh, you did. Um, and you ended up in Peru, right, for a year-long self-discovery, higher calling journey. But you talked a lot about the intuition, and that brought to mind something very, very key, like mindfulness. And mindfulness is something that we know has been around for the ages, but it's now starting to resurge in our digital world. We have so much information feeding us that sometimes that intuition, that gut, those feelings we don't always listen to them. So how can, well, let me take you as an example, but how can one practice mindfulness so that they can kind of stay focused and receive those clear visions or be in tune with their intuition so that they'll know which direction to start looking for? How do you use mindfulness in that way? Um, The way I've learned throughout the years, first, it started off with just having some quiet time and having prayer time, having time to just pray and just be quiet um, and meditate uh, and just kind of listen to um, that inner you speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times we can't do that if we're constantly busy. We're just constantly busy and getting a lot of uh, outward, you know, stuff, especially now in this internet age where we're getting information from everywhere. We're constantly getting information from everywhere and we don't know how to decipher things. So it's about being quiet and being still. And um, some people pray, some people meditate, some people do both. 
some people and meditation is not always just doing the, you know, you can be taking a walk through the park. Some people even listening to music um, and, but having that time where you can just hear yourself, just really hear yourself. And, and some, some may say, well, how do I know it's myself? It's like a muscle. Um, it's literally like a muscle that you never use. If you're not used to hearing yourself, it's just about activating um, that mental muscle so that you can get, it's like um, activating that mental, mental muscle so that you can understand who you are because you'll know the voice because it'll keep coming back. You'll, keep, you'll know the voice. And like for me, it's always a small whisper, but I always know when it's my spirit God or it's my higher self or whomever. I always know that. I always have that feeling. I always know where I am when I hear it. Mm. Um, I always know where I am when I, when I hear those um, things. So start off with that. Start off with prayer. Start off with just some quiet time. Maybe it's a bubble bath. Maybe mm. it's a shower. Maybe it's a walk through the park. Maybe it's just playing with the kids. Maybe it's just playing with your pets. It's not a specific thing, but when you find it, you will know it. So Everybody have, have their, their um, thing. Yeah. Now, I agree with what you're saying. I'm thinking about like audience members who yes. may be wondering, how did you get to this point? Was it something that you... Were you raised? Did somebody nurture this in you as a child, as a young person? Is it something that you discovered along the way? Is it a book you read? Like it, it, it started from a child. I've started off in church. I was a churchgoer. Um, my mother, my grandmother, nurtured me into um, church. Um, and throughout, to the I think to the age of thirty nine, when I retired from the military is when I, I was fully in um, church at some points and some I was like, this is, you know, in and out. Um, but there was a lot of times I was a leader in the church. I was part of the prayer team or the ladies auxiliary doing retreats. I was doing all those things in the church. Um, but the other side of me, the radical side of me was um, wanting more. I needed more of God. You know, I, I had a relationship with God. My purpose was always about my relationship with God, not necessarily with the church, you know? Um, and I think there's a difference when you have a relationship with God outside of the church. I, I feel like the church for me was a place for communion and education, but the real work was out in the, out, um, in the world. So yes, I always had a relationship with God from a child always had a personal one-on-one i've always had um things that happened that was out of the ordinary with me um that i'm starting to see now as an adult why these things were maybe happening so to answer your question um it started off with uh just a little girl who loved god who just loved god and wanted to just know more um and i fell in love with god i fell in love with god and i fell in love with um I fell in love with life. I'm glad that you said that because often people think that they're going to get that self-work, that heart work from outside of um, themselves. And you took that intentional time to make that personal relationship with God, your personal relationship with yourself and with God. So let's take it back 
to uh, right, right in Brooklyn. Did you grow up with a big family? Did you have sisters and brothers? What was that family life like? Wow. Back into Brooklyn. Wow, wow, wow. Um, Brooklyn was awesome. Brooklyn, again, uh, I had, again, I, like I said earlier, I think I maybe had mentioned earlier, um, I was born in Brooklyn and um, I left uh, at the age of five because my mother and father had uh, separated. So my mother took me to North Carolina. So she took um, me and my siblings back to North Carolina um, until I was 10. And I, and I really enjoyed living in North Carolina. Uh, I think a lot of my uh, values and morals started there from that, you know, from that time. Um, so my mother and father decided to get back together. So one day I get a, a you know, I, I remember running outside playing and my mom was like, uh, Karate, come on in, i tell you something. She <laughs> tells me that we're about to move to New York, back to New York. And I was so devastated. Oh, I was so de devastated. Um, so we moved back to New York and um, it was a different life. Uh, for me and I'm and, and just to, from my from a child's perspective um growing up in New York we did we wasn't uh, we was uh lower class or middle class I don't know I feel like we was okay um but we was in the projects in uh North Carolina too but it was a different type of project you know it was more housing in North Carolina we was in Kinston North Carolina so it's okay. east close to Greenville ECU a gotcha. um, little very small town in North Carolina so my father had, has, had said, oh my gosh, you're going to be living here. So we're coming up, we're coming up. We finally get to New York. The first stop I had was at White Castles. <laughs> Never had a White Castles burger at this time. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's awesome. So we pulled up into Marlboro Projects. We pulled up in Marlboro Projects with our moving truck. And oh my God, and there's no disparity in this as far as this, but remember good times. Mm -hmm. Remember this? I remember going up into the elevator, you know, the elevator, we all know is, you know, it's small, a lot of urine, you're going up into this elevator, you go into the small apartment, um, you're looking out the window, there's bars at the windows and people on the stoop. I was scared to death, like, oh my gosh, like, where do we live? But let me tell you, that has been the best. I am so glad we went back home because Brooklyn, Marlboro Projects, um, was the best place for me um, at that time. I, it, I'm the middle child. I have an older sister and an older brother who is mute and deaf, so he can't speak or uh, talk. Then it's myself, and then I have twin little sisters. Um, so the five of us in a two-bedroom apartment in, um, in Brooklyn, and um, regular working class um, you know, family, my father was uh, a hard worker. Um, my mother, uh, she, at this time, she was going back to school. Eventually, as we fast forward, they did not end up staying together. Um, my father um, moved back to uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant. And um, so she ended up raising us there from that point on. And eventually, my sister, older sister, went back to North Carolina and some other things had happened. So um, I grew up. Um, building 16 Marlboro Projects. Hey, y'all out there, the big 16ers out there. And um, my best friends there, um, Rita and Justine Mack, the Mack sisters, and um, Nikki. Um, I was outside 
two long pigtails, little country girl. And it was like, <laughs> what's your name? And I told my name. And from that point, we started playing double dutch and uh, had been best friends and still are the best of friends to this day who really took me in. And I was known as the country girl for a while. <laughs> so besides um, learning to play double dutch, you said that moving back was one of the best things that could have happened to you. Tell us three things that you learned that you apply to this day, because you go from place to place now, and each place is different. So three things that you take and you apply. Uh, some street knowledge, for one. You know, everywhere you go, you need to have some street cred. You got to be able to blend in, you know, that way. Reason Resilience is another thing. Being able to switch up and change. New York um, is a place where you're moving. Um, you're constantly learning new things. And diversity. Diversity mm -hmm. was another thing um, where it's not just one people, one type of culture, um, where I could have been in a just a predominantly black. Um, and yes, um, Marlboro was predominantly black, Puerto Ricans. Uh, we had some Italians go to the Bissenhurst area, Italians and all different. But um, it could have been in a life where I was just in a predominantly black neighborhood and not know how to diverse when I go other places. And uh, so those are the things, diversity, resilience, and that street credit. You know, just really, I can get down with the down and dirty if I need to. I can switch that, That's right. turn That's that right. switch over. <laughs> So sticking with like your childhood, you mentioned you went to Lafayette High School. What was that high school experience like? Were you active? Did you do any? Uh, yeah, high school. Yeah, I was. Uh, high school was great. Uh, high school was good. Couldn't wait to go there. Finally, was beating up with my friends because in middle in uh, middle school, I went to Mark Twain, which was a gifted and talented school. So I was like. I wanted to be with my friends, you know, I wanted to hang out with the with my friends, you know, not with the nerdy people. Uh, so when I finally went to Lafayette, that was awesome. Um, but I did not, I was a booster, um, was never really into the sports. I was uh, in the co-op program in high school, all through high school. So if you guys know the co-op program where you go to school a week and you work a week. You go to school a week, you work a week. And I end up working at the Board of Education for four years um, uh, at the Board of Education from ninth grade all the way to the uh, 12th grade. So high school was different because uh, it was like business. You know, I was in school. I had double classes, um, double history, double English, all those. Did, back then, we was taking shorthand, telling my age. We was taking <laughs> shorthand classes, uh, all those. But, it, but the other half of the week, I was I was business. It was going to to the board of education being their second being secretary and typing and doing, taking shorthand and all those things so that's what my high school years were um it was more about for me anyway it was about business it was mm. it was it wasn't really about um i didn't didn't really have it was just a small group of us me justina didn't have a great, had a lot of times people wanted to jump me. <laughs> you know how that goes. A lot of that going on. <laughs> a lot of that going on. Um, but it was all good. It was beautiful. It was all good. She had pretty girl problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you come to school with your nice clothes on. Like you said, your big bamboo earrings. Yeah. And I was buying all my own clothes, have my own jewelry. 
And you know, some of the guys were saying, you know, they have no idea what you went through, right? And then the next thing you know, it's like, I'm gonna meet you outside. I'm like, well, I don't even know you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All so, because yeah. you that they like all of that type of stuff that goes on in high school, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's all that, that yeah, that's what that was, definitely. Uh so so that was high school. That was um and I went through high school with those same uh four young ladies, uh three young ladies, Justine, Rita, Nikki, and we just went through high school and actually Rita was supposed to come to the military with me. Um, but she went to college and um I went to the military. Yeah. Uh we were supposed to do that together. So we kind of separated. Uh and still keep it oh definitely that's my thing yeah i love those girls they, they, they those are my peeps definitely now some people stick in your circle from you know long time ago you have those lifelong friends but then you also that you call your family but then you also have another group that you began another journey with called your family right and tell us a little bit more about your travel family that group and how you met okay well the tramley that is like fast forwarding all the way all past all these years to now mm -hmm. um the tramley came about um because when i decided to um take a year and travel the world and to leave my business um with someone else that i was mentoring um i co connected with a group called remote year and Remote Year is a company, it's a traveling company for any of you guys out there who want to travel. This is a traveling company where um, they take care of every, pretty much take care of everything, your housing, your travel, um, all of those things. And you get to work remotely. So if you're someone who can work remotely or work for a job that will allow you to work remotely, this company, Remote Year, is a company that you can definitely connect with and so I decided uh, with this particular one, you can go with them for um, for uh, three, four months, I think, six months, or a year. So I decided to do a year. And a year meaning I get to travel 12 different countries in a, in a year. So each month we go to a different country. And you're not like in like a, it's not like a, it's not like a, you're on your own. Once you're there, you know, they give you your apartment. You can still do whatever you need to do. It's not like you have to be with these everybody the whole time. But because this, uh, I was with this the group of people, it was 29 of us, um, they became my family. So there were people from all around the world, from every parts of the country was in, in this particular group. And, and we all came together. We met in um, Chile, in Santiago, Chile. December 29th, right before uh, the, the, the 2020 New Year ball drop. We met there in Chile um, and we stayed there a month. And, and that's how we travel every month. So we ended up in, uh, went from Colombia, I'm sorry, went to um, Chile, Santiago. Then we was here in Lima, Peru, which I loved. And then we left um, and went to Medellin, um, Colombia. Yeah, I ended it in Colombia. Um, and that's where um, I got my, my third apartment there in Columbia. With, and you have your roommates with the people that you're traveling with or you don't have to. That's how I ended up staying there for maybe about a week. And then I traveled, flew back just for a nine-day retreat um, to come here in, in Peru. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so that's how I ended up here. But the Tramley is a group of people that I just fell in love with because, you know, it's like-minded people. All of them are from different backgrounds. And a lot of them are entrepreneurs. Some of them are, are cor corporate, um, work for corporate America. Um, some are freelancers. And we all came together um, to do a year to travel the world and to, to, to see what, what basically, if you were to ask each one of them, everybody was looking for their next, you know, what's the next thing that I'm supposed to do um, in this world and in this life? Um, so currently, because of COVID-19, uh, remote year has, has, is on a pause. Um, so a lot of those family people have, has gone back home. There's like 10, there's a group of 10 that stayed in Medellin. There was uh, myself who's here. And then there was one that was still in Lima. And unfortunately, we just got news that he passed away. So oh, wow. um, that was, um, that was, that's very heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, not sure of what at, at this point. Um, but so one of our family members um, is no longer with us. Mm. So let me ask you this. What goes into that decision? Like, I'm going to give a year of my life just to travel to 12 countries. And how do you, you know, come home and tell your kids that, tell your business partners that, that you're going to take a year and just go travel the world? Um, well, going back to um, when I decided, it's just like, it's almost like when I decided to take that year off after I left the military, when I opened up my business, um, I went back to school. Um, after that year, I decided to go back. I had ended up going back to school and did some CNA work and school. And that's a story in itself. Um, but when I opened up my business, when I opened up the business, um, Breathe Holistic Health and Wellness Spa, I was a good seven years in. You know, I was doing it on my own. And, and then I decided to mentor um, some younger massage therapists um, as they was working with me, working for me, and not just to mentor them to um, be a therapist, but also mentor them to be a business owner. So that was always my intention because I knew that I was not going to trap myself behind the, the table of massage table, like, because I, I needed, I knew travel, I needed to continue to grow. So I mentored, um, um, the ladies that's with me for a couple of years and I would take trips. I would go to, I went to Russia one year. I went to Korea. I went to different places just to test them to see whether they can handle it um, for like two weeks or for a month or whatever. So this was the ultimate test. You know, I put systems in place for me to be able to travel for the full year and, and the people in place and I trained them well and I believe in them and we have the same visions and, um, and one day I will, um, have multiple and my first business will be handed over to the young lady that's running it now. And so the answer to, to, to answer that question, it was time. It was that nudge again. It was that call again. How do you, in order for breathe to grow in order, which is my business yet my ministry, I had to grow. I had to grow in order for it to grow. So I had to, um, and that was the voice, that's what I heard, travel. You've got to see different cultures. You've got to see different ways, different holistic modalities. you got to, because 
you're not just healing a people, you're healing the world. Um, so you can't heal the world just being in one place. You got to be able to connect with different cultures and different ways of believing and all types of things. So when remote year was told to me, it was like, oh my gosh, that was, that's it. I never know, but when I hear it, I just run with it. So I sold everything. I sold my belongings, um, got rid of everything except for my business. And um, I told my children and they were excited because they heard their mama talk about this all the time. So I had, my kids are very supportive. They're grown now. Everybody's grown, my grandkids. So I'm not married. I didn't have any attachments. So the timing was right. And that's very important. The timing was right. You got to be in the right timing because I couldn't have done this a couple of years back. So the timing was right for me to, to leave and to detach from everything and to be open to what it was that I needed. I didn't know what it was that I needed when I came. I knew I would find it when I got here. And um, like, I didn't know this. So like I said, me being here was like, oh my God, God, you always give me exactly what I need. It's not, um, and I'm still learning. I'm just in the beginning phase. Right. So I like to refresh that a little bit and just um, list some things that you've listed for our audience members. One thing that you definitely had was support um, from your family. Another thing that you did was definitely plan and strategize. And then um, you also listened to your intuition and your higher calling from God. And then the last thing that you did was to be open-minded. So all of those things combined leave us with one piece of, of advice for our audience if they are trying to, like you said, everyone was looking for that what's next. So if they are looking for their what's next or even ready to take that step into their what's next, what is your one piece of advice for them? My favorite quote is, when the student is ready, the teacher shall appear. And I would say when you're ready to take your first next, your teacher will appear. Things will open up for you. Um, and it's also about that timing. It is about timing. Um, for me, I couldn't travel the world while I was raising my children, you know, or I couldn't uh, do the things that I'm doing. Um, earlier parts of my life, it was about the timing. And again, like I said earlier, it's about support. So if you have that support system, um, and even if it's just one person, it doesn't have to be the whole group of people to support. Even if it's one person that you can converse with, and even if it's not that one person, if, if you and God have that communication to be able to step forth and do it, if the timing is right for you, um, then go ahead and make that step. And whether it's small, Again, it doesn't have to be big. It's just about moving your life, moving it forward. Um, and the biggest thing is having an open mind. You got to have a, first of all, you got to believe it. That's the main thing. You got to believe it. We hear people say this all the time. It's like, believe it, visualize it, and then be it. Mm -hmm. Believe it. If you don't believe it, it will never happen because you'll doubt your way the whole time. You'll self-sabotage your way the whole time. But if you believe this is where you're supposed to be in your life, then you talk that way. In my business, I talk like I'm a huge corporation to my, to my, my, my contractors and employees. And we don't have, I don't have many, 
But if they can tell you when I talk, I talk in big numbers all the time because I believe that's what it's going to be. And when we get there, it's not a surprise. You already, you already speak the language. You know what I mean? So if right. it's something that you want to do, whether you want to travel, um, go ahead and get the, if you want, let's use travel, for example, if you want to travel and you don't even have a, a suitcase, go buy the suitcase. Passport. Go ahead and, <laughs> Go get this first off by the suitcase, get the luggage, get that first. All right. And then go get a passport and you may not travel for another year or so, but at least you're ready. You're ready to travel. Some of us can't move forward because we attach to so many things. Sometimes we're attached to so many things and sometimes we got to detach some you was talking about that a little bit earlier. You had to elevate and some things weren't, weren't good for me that I was holding on to because I love these people, but they were just sucking me dry. Um, but, you know, sometimes we got to detach from people. Sometimes we just, sometimes we really got to be alone. Right. This journey, sometimes when you make that first step, is a step you have to make alone. Mm-hmm. And it could be very scary. And that's when you fall back on your faith. When it right. becomes very scary, that's when you have to fall back on your faith and know that you're going to be okay. And, you know, um, if, if things, things will work itself out um, for you. I am a two fish, five loaves of bread type girl. You know, there's, <laughs> I don't have thousands of dollars in my bank account. I don't have all those things, but I do have two fish and five loaves of bread and i tell you it spreads it spreads it feeds me Mm -hmm. it feeds my family and it feeds the people who are around me energetically who are around me um yeah i love that yeah i love that so let me this sounds like a book right i could definitely see myself home reading this story it's so inspirational and inspiring um have you thought about that? Like, what's, where are we going to see you like a year from now, two years from now? Ooh. You think that far ahead or is it more you taking a day, one day at a time? I'm doing both. COVID have me thinking day at a time. COVID-19 have me thinking one day at a time. I do think further out, though. Um, another book, definitely. And by the way, uh, it's born, the book is called Born into Suffocation. It's the name of the particular um, book that I had um, Written. Let's blow that down. What's the name of the book again? Born into Born into Suffocation. Okay. Born into Suffocation. Yeah, breathe. Yeah, breathe is the name of my business. Um, and then yes, I'm thinking about writing another book, but also I see myself speaking a lot. I see myself doing more inspirational speaking. Um I see myself traveling, um, doing healing work, um, a lot of energy work. Um coaching um and i don't like it and i say coaching and all that but i don't like to put labels on it you know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not i'm not a big label girl um so just really teaching and and mentoring and inspiring others to find their authentic selves um but it's gonna um the way i work with people i go deep i'm not a surface girl at all so in order to work with, um, when I do work with anyone, you got to be ready, you know, on your own healing journey to go deeper. And it could be painful, um, but 
right? But it's worth it. But you also have someone with through it. I've gone through it myself, still going. That's why, um, as I'm calling it now, retreat to mm-hmm. kind of pour back into myself so that I can have the capacity and the girth with to be able to pour into others because I heard and I know that right. means that I will be speaking to one day. And I now I got to get myself um, prepared for that, especially mentally, because it I, it can be very egotistic, and that's not where the path you want to go. I want right. to stay centered in my heart space, stay heart centered, and because that's where the world needs. We need the world needs a more heart centered people who who's ready to help and to assist and and guide um, our fellow um, humans. Um, our fellow people um, to a healthier way of living. Right. So I, I've extracted a couple things that you said in there and um, I've always been a Jonah type of girl. So I've never really listened the first time that I heard my calling <laughs> and I became a um, five loaves and two fish kind of girl similar to you through, you know, self journey, like um, we've discussed before that separation for elevation um, that kind of took me in a different path than some of my friends. And then, you know, just mentors and inspiration like yourself. So for those in the audience that are looking to find out what a typical day is like for you in the Peru jungles or just some inspiration on a daily or weekly basis, where can they find you? Okay, you can definitely find me. Um, my website is uh, karundi.com. So it's my first name, .com, very easy. Um, you may have to spell it out um, for, uh, for the audience. Um, and then also my Instagram or any social media, you can find me on I am Karundi. Um, or, or in any social media. And then uh, the videos, I do have a uh, YouTube that I just started that uh, shows my day-to-day. I kind of did some stuff right here in the jungle. I'm about to, yeah, it's all types of stuff going on. So I wanted to share that uh, with the world because a lot of times some people are not going to be ever, ever be able to make it. So be able to experience that with me will be awesome. Um, again, all social media. So on Facebook, definitely Instagram. I don't do much Twitter um youtube um and my website but if you go to the website you can find all of that right there all in one spot and the website again is karundi.com okay well we just want to thank you for coming and sharing your time with us sharing your wisdom sharing your knowledge because i know that there are a lot of people that are on journeys we're all on separate journeys going separate places going you know different places and all trying to ascend so thank you for just imparting some of that inspiration with us and we know that our audience members are going to be excited and be able to use some of those things in their everyday life and i just i really thank you and for all you guys who are watching just know, you know, you all are, all of you guys are special in your own right. And all of you have something to contribute to this earth. Every last one of you guys have something to contribute to this earth. And just take some time to listen to find out what that may be. And even, even if you don't know it today, if you're ready, if your, your heart is ready, Trust me, it will open up to you. It will open up to you. I promise you, it will open up to you. You just have to believe it. 
And I would just say again, much love, much light, and give much love and give much light to your neighbors and your friends and your family, um, especially in the day and time that we're living right now. Yeah. yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow, that was an incredible interview. I mean, I hope that you wrote some things down because she was dropping gems and I got some really great takeaways and I hope that you got some takeaways as well. So like I said, subscribe, make sure that you listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. We have a whole season one for you to go back. And I know that you've missed an episode, so make sure that you go back and you check it out while we're on the break. And while we're on the break, we are going to be working, each one of us, on different things to make sure that we are bigger, we are better, and we bring the best of ourselves possible. So make sure that you look for different things from each of us after this break is over. It's been great this season one. This is your girl, Kayla Nice, and this is the Russ and Kayla Nice experience with our EP, Malik Means. Talk to you soon. <laughs>